Well, welcome back, everybody. Good evening and good morning. Yes, this is not Sean's voice. I have returned, but I am happy to say that, Sean, you did a fantastic job in my absence. Um, I'm lucky that the voters and all the spectators and listeners didn't you know, vote me off the island uh, with your incredible performance last week. So thank you very much, Kyle and, and Sean, for running the show. It was a great episode. I loved every second of it. It was such an interesting feeling listening to it as a first timer because I'm normally obviously recording with you guys. So all those takes, I was like, Kyle, you mother, or Sean, like, ooh, that's a good one. But you cover you covered so much ground on that. And I'm excited to just be back with you guys for one more week. And then as you know, I'll be in Europe starting tomorrow night. I have another wedding to attend to. And uh yes, no, I'm not dead. Thank you, Sean, for clarifying that in the beginning. And uh Sean will MC again, I presume, but Kyle uh, obviously helping out where he can. So how how are your weeks going, guys? All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh week's going well. You know, it's it's already a long week, man. It's Tuesday. We didn't have soccer this weekend. There was no I'll say football, but people will say there was football this weekend. It wasn't real football yeah. this weekend. And, yeah. You know, it's you feel empty waking up, not looking at any highlights, going to bed, not being able to put on some good YouTube videos of the best goals of the week on Sunday night. So, you know, I'm just excited to get it back and going. Yeah. Um, wonderful weekend. You know, Monday night was great, especially around <laughs> uh, 8.45 p.m. when my Lord and Savior, Aaron Rodgers, uh, tore his Achilles. We're not going to talk about it beyond that. I am in mourning. I do want to establish that right now. But I'm, I'm excited we can use this as a, as a distraction to the anti-vax king and uh, dedicate this episode to him. But... <laughs> Let's let's just let's just hop right let's into just it. Get right into it. So, other than the Achilles of Aaron Rodgers, we have a ton of hot news. I feel like they dropped a hot news ball right into our laps this week, and we'll get right into it. Like Sean said, as you all know, every year the Ballon d'Or voting begins, and the nominees are elected. And this year, we have gotten quite the list. Um, I'm not going to read through all of them, but I'll I'll read through a few that are you know notable. You have Julian Alvarez, you have Nicolo Barella, Jude Bellingham, obviously. Kareem Benzema was a bit of a shock to me. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, Antoine Griezmann, Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, we have Erlen Holland, of course, Harry Kane, you know, Robert Lewandowski, uh, Martinez, uh, Emanuano. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Emmy Martinez. I've never really seen his first name out spelled like that or at all, really. Uh, Lord Tiro, Martinez, Kylian Mbappe, of course, the GOAT, Met, uh, Messi. You have Mudrik, Odegaard, Saka, Sala, Bernardo Silva, Vinicius Jr., just to name actually probably around 75% of them. Uh, so if you want to see the full list, just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we will have um, a, a kind of special coming out to highlight probably the short list when that happens. But right off the top of your head, guys. Who's going to win? I think we all agree on it. Who's number one and who would be very, very, very close to number two? Kyle, why don't we, why don't we start with you, my friend? Because it's, I don't think it's you. I don't yeah. think it's your guy. It's got to be Messi. Messi at number one, Holland at number two. Yeah, I mean, Holland, the goals speak for themselves. I mean, he's the only player in soccer or football right now with more goals than games going into the Ballon d'Or. So that stat alone, I think it's 45 goals in 40 games was the uh, final tally. But... It comes down to the clutch factor. 
Holland went 0 for 3 in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of the Champions League and got carried by his team while Lionel Messi single-handedly won a World Cup for his country. So for me, it's Messi through and through. I'd be shocked if that man didn't take it home this year. Yeah, it seems like it's the year for Messi, Sean, right? I mean, he can do no wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. I think especially in a World Cup year, the, that tournament matters even more in the Ballon d'Or. We saw that with Modric getting it in 2018 or I guess 2019, whatever. But um, yeah, definitely messy for me. Holland will have his his time in the sunlight for sure on this award, provided he stays with Man City or goes to Barcelona as they try to rally some funds for that, possibly for a transfer soon. But that's another story for another day. Um, the GOAT, Messi, he's going to go, what is it, his eighth, I think? Is it his eighth? Yeah, it's eighth. So that's some crazy numbers. And one final thing about Ballon d'Or, you will notice that a solo person has been left out of it, and that is one Cristiano Ronaldo. First time since 2003 being left out of the nominations. I think rightfully so. He did nothing much more than, you know, harm Manchester United last year and then go over to Saudi Arabia. So I think it's very warranted. Something that might not be as warranted, we'll find out after some more investigation, but poor, poor, poor Paul Pugba. This guy has been through the ringer. I mean, if it's not injuries or family extortion uh, issues, this guy has had no luck moving forward. He has recently tested positive for testosterone during an anti-doping drug test back in Italy and now faces up to possibly four years of suspension from any form of soccer. Um, obviously, he's still going to go through an investigation period. He'll be able to appeal it, yada, yada, yada. Supposedly, he was in the States and was recommended some type of supplement from a USA doctor, was unaware of the side effects or the illegal, uh, I guess, the illegal prowess of the actual supplement that he received. So I'm sure he'll get he'll get a real nice lawyer on this puppy and try to, to reduce that. In other words, is this the end of Pogba for us, guys? So I saw a quote today from Paul Pogba, which I'd like your two cents on, guys. It was, money changes people. It can break up a family. It can create a war. Sometimes I was alone and I was like, I don't want to have money anymore. I don't want to play anymore. I just want to be with normal people so they like me for me, not for the fame, not for the money. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I mean, like I said, and Sean, pop in right after this, but like I said, this guy's been through the ringer, man. Imagine going through that extortion issue that was with his brother and his family. And then, you know, very early on in his career, one of France's greatest players, probably. He was going to all the big name squads. I mean, he had it all. It, it can do a lot. Yeah, it's. I think Paul Pogba's story can be... Uh, a little bit of a story of wasted potential, unfortunately, I think with injuries, but also somewhat his attitude and not finding a, a way to fit in. Um, also, the dysfunction of Man United didn't help him, but uh, you, you look at the 2018 World Cup and what he was able to do in that tournament. Some of the things he showed at his first stint at Juve, this should be a guy we're talking about in the prime of his career, one of the best three or four best midfielders on the planet. Um, and it just seems like those comments that Kyle just mentioned kind of indicate he just seems like he's fallen out of love with the game, yeah. um, which is really, really sad and unfortunate to see. Yeah. I would love to see a little bit of a comeback story from him, obviously being part of that France squad that got so far in the latest world cup. When he had that long shot goal in the finals, right? In 2018, that gorgeous low yep. stinger. Yeah. I'm not, there's no doubt on the quality. Yeah. There's no doubt. 
one that person that does have some doubt in quality, talent, and possible human characteristics and character <laughs> in general is one Anthony. I know you guys did a really good job covering him last week, so we don't have to talk about him too much. But obviously, Kyle, one of the takes that stuck with me was this is possibly an out for Manchester United to do something right and sit a player that they feel like they have to play because of the price tag on him. As of right now, he has been dropped from Manchester United squad due to the multiple current allegations. Um, obviously, this is a massive blow to him as a human and as a person, especially since he was dropped from the Brazil squad earlier, which hot take, but I don't think is really that hot. Let's be honest. Brazil has a lot more talent in the attacking field with Rodrigo, with Mark, uh, Martinelli, uh, you know, with uh, Rapina, and even Gabriel Jesus if they needed a little extra attacking, but not on the forward. Yeah. Portion. They got Vinny up there too, they don't right? Need, and they got Vinny. Yeah, obviously they got Vinny. They don't need him. So to say that 100% was because of these allegations, I think is just him covering his own ass and making him feel better. But just looking at the guy, he doesn't seem like a stand-up guy anyway. So this might be a good take. No, I mean, um, have you seen his hair? It's, it's hideous. <laughs> Bright yellow? Come on now. I also think there's going to be a great opportunity for Jaden Sancho to really show his colors and get himself on the field and hopefully stop this beef. Because you can't lose a $100 million player, $550 million in the dressing room, and have beef amongst players and coaches. That's just, there's not a team in the world that could succeed with those three things going on. So, you know, maybe this will be a good opportunity to start him a couple of games, even if he doesn't feel he deserves it, but definitely. Yeah, another um, another couple of guys, just because Kyle mentioned it, it's an opportunity for youngsters. Uh, Alejandro Garnacho and Facundo Palestri, both um, options off the bench for on the wing for Man United. In addition to Sancho, we should see more of them and, you know, maybe one of them emerge and shows, you know, their quality. Obviously, Garnacho had some good moments last year as well. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep you guys updated on that. <clears throat> but most importantly, I think is the hottest news of them all that we talked about two weeks ago is that Spain's number one public enemy of the state has resigned. So Spanish Football Federation Chief Luis Rubales has finally been offed. So he has resigned, but obviously I'm thinking it was probably more of a force and it was a save face. We're not going to fire you, but you have to resign. Save what little face you have left. And that's exactly what he did. He has been resigned or he has resigned. I'm predicting that will probably be more turnover in the back of house staff for the Football Federation in Spain, uh, basically because a lot of the members that have currently been appointed were by Rubialis and they were on extremely high salaries. So I think this might be an opportunity for Spain's Football Federation to kind of clean up shop and maybe turn over a new leaf. And with that new leaf might re-spark the interest of one Spanish and Real Madrid goalkeeping absolute legend of Casillas. He ran before, he pulled out because you know of the competition and how involved it was. I don't think he realized that much, but maybe after a few years of marinating in the fact and this golden opportunity, will we see this opportunity spring again for Casillas? Uh, we'll make sure to ask our Spanish uh, com comrade of Juan when he finds out more information but uh nothing really extra to say there boys what do you think no i just i just like how we refer to juan as if he's like carmen san diego just jetting around <laughs> the world like getting us all this reporting information we gotta get him out on the pot he's probably like this mystery man to everybody else yeah yeah he uh he he's only spanish well he is not only spanish he is a great friend of ours but he happens to obviously be spanish which is why anything that happens in spain we automatically go to our closest spaniard so, Juan, congratulations, my friend. You get an honorary badge. 
But we will definitely have him back on the, or actually on the podcast first, Sean. But till then, we're going to pop into a new segment because we didn't do one last year. Uh, we're going to go through essentially a report card of every team in the EPL based off of how they did in the transfer window because that is now currently shut. So as of September 1st, all loans, trades, and whatnot have been ceased. So right when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about how everyone did. So get your red pens ready, boys. at a report card since probably like what high school or college I guess even then you needed to it so it will be fun to create our own so like I said before we're going to go through in order of position in the English Premier League table currently starting at last place with 20th to first place we're going to kind of just go over the key takeaways because we Sean and I kind of did the specials already so let's just get after it boys unfortunately in dead last with 0-0-3, meaning no wins, no ties, and three losses, and a goal differential of minus eight, we have Burnley. Who wants to be the relegation pro? Who wants to talk about the relegation or the promoted Burnley here? I mean, we have a couple key takeaways noted. I would say their center forward, Sean, you're a big fan of this guy. or have heard of him coming in before, and this is one Ziki Amadouni. Right. And then obviously my big takeaway here is the, the signing of James uh, Trafford, the England's number one goalkeeper for under 21 years of age coming from Manchester City. I think they did really well here kind of signing him up for this. What's your take on this, Sean? Yeah, I think the only thing with with Burnley for me is they lost so many talented players on loan and didn't necessarily replace him with that much quality overall. Um, and we're starting to see that early on uh, with this group struggling out of the gates, but um, I think they should have enough to stay up in terms of quality, but um, it's not nearly as good of a team, you know, on paper as it was last year in the championship. Obviously we don't know how that team would have performed, but a couple of loans from Man City that, that aren't there and uh, a few other things. So we'll get, keep an eye on them. But for me, I gave them a C plus. Yeah. I gave them a B mainly just because they have, they've spent so much money, their net spend or income, this transfer window was negative 107 million euros. So this was the most out of all the promoted teams. And I think you threw out a stat there a couple of weeks ago, Sean, on the, on the cast that typically if you want to stay above the relegation zone as a newly promoted team, what, what did you typically have to spend like round it's 50? Over, like over 50. Yeah. Yeah. Over 50. 50 like the baseline. Yeah. So these guys are showing that they don't want to leave and they're taking the advance or the investment properly i gave him a b kyle you got him at b minus right in between us yeah i do uh you know i'd love to see it when a team comes up and spends money it, it, it's fun to see it means they're showing heart compared to the other two teams that came up burnley definitely had an advantage over them because in the last 15 years they're the most prominent team out of those three names and they have actually earned money in the premier league in the last 15 years so you know it's not a surprise that these guys are able to spend over 110 million and Luton is struggling to build their own stadium. You know, so <laughs> I like yeah. what they're doing. They're making all the moves they got to do. I mean, huge, huge fan of their coach. I think Vincent company just needs to find his team in the premier league. He, he built them up in the championship, but that's like watching college football. It, it's just a yeah. different beast. 
So give him give him some time. He had a very difficult first start to the season. Very unfortunate for Burnley. But, you know, find himself, find the team, start clicking. I think these guys, whether or not they're going to place well in the Premier League, I would be surprised to see them leave the Premier League. Well, you mentioned them already, so it's a good segue into that is, is Luton Town. So both these teams are in last place, but I will say they're in last place because they don't have any, as many points because they also have had one less game than everybody. They were supposed to face each other, Burnley versus Luton, but like you said, Kyle, they were struggling to build their own stadium. So Luton is also in last place with three losses with a goal dif- differential of seven goals against. So my key takeaway, I'll start off with you guys and then you guys take away from there is, is for me, I gave them a B minus just because they have not bought a lot of people or spent that much. The, the key number for them is they're minus 22.75 million euros spent. But I will say I like it because they have brought in Sambu Lukanga on loan from Arsenal. He had a pretty solid Crystal Palace loan spell last year. Nothing too memorable in my opinion, but he's a very young, very talented player. And I think if he can find his stride with the Hatters, I think he can do a lot of benefit for them in the central of the pitch. Yeah, I gave him I gave him a B minus. Um, I think it's they made some good moves. We mentioned a bunch of them in the preview. Ryan Giles and Tahith Chong for me were the best, but they also got a Ben A from Rotherham. It's a championship squad in the Premier League. They're going down. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I should give them an F then. I, I like their business now. They like it'll give them a chance to come back up next year and actually try to compete. With, with with the parachute payments uh underneath them but yeah uh yeah i gave them a c they um you know what they spent what they could that's the reason they're not getting an f as sean just said you got to spend 50 million if you want to stay in that's how the trends go they just couldn't afford it and that's not their fault per se i mean it's a little bit their fault for not being better at soccer and getting here earlier but yeah they, <laughs> they spent what they could so they're trying it's just it's not enough so sure you know i'll, I'll give them the c I don't think it's an F performance in the transfer window. I don't think any of them are unhappy with how it went. It's just they need more money. Some other club that needs a lot of money is in 18th place, Everton, the Toffees. So they have tied one game and lost three with a goal differential of six. They have spent less than then they have sold. They have sold a net positive income of $42.3 million. And the big thing here is they did the same case last year, and I believe the year before too. They're still fighting FFP regulations. They've been struggling with it for the past couple of seasons, which is really preventing them from going out there and opening up that purse. I did see rumors that they have a suitor for possibly taking over the club. And uh, I believe it's American Betting or American Sports Company 777, something along the lines of them. I haven't heard too much about that, but I believe that's out there. So maybe that will help them a bit. But to me, like you said, with a new, I'm treating them as a recently promoted team because they just escaped it. So you got to spend money to do better. They have a couple key signings, but they're all loans, in my opinion, the loan of Jack Harrison and uh, Danjuma, who they were supposed to get last season. So to me, they just didn't do enough to better their chances of, of staying up. So I give, them a, I give them a D. Yeah, I give them an F. Uh, I mean... It, I'm speechless at this. You gotta, you're in seven. They finished what? 17th last year, 16th. They barely escaped on the last day of the season and they're trying to make money. They're trying to actually put money in people's pockets that aren't even on the field. Are you kidding me? That's an absolute fucking joke. In my opinion, 
you need to spend, spend, spend if you want to stay in the Premier League when you have to fight on the last game day of the season. It's an atrocity, in my opinion. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. Sean, what's the logic behind this, man? What's your rating? Yeah, uh, I think Kyle obviously mentioned it. I, the big issue, though, and you said it, is just due to FFP and, and poor mismanagement of the club, in addition to them building a new stadium. Um, the one signing I wanted to highlight, because he wasn't signed at the time of the preview, was Beto. They signed from Udinese. He should bring them goals. We talked about them needing that, uh, especially with De- Dominic Calvert-Lewin being made of uh, glass. Um so he's brought in for $25 million from Udinese. He plays center forward, pretty tall. Um, I think he's like six foot two. He scored 10 goals and two assists last year in Serie A. So I, I think he'd be an interesting signing, and, and that's the only thing really saving it. But for me, this is one of the worst windows by far. Yeah, absolutely. One that isn't too far behind them, though, in table and in rating, I believe, is Sheffield United. So they're also same exact record, 0-1-3. and with a goal differential of three. Uh, They are also in the green with a positive net value of 33.55 million. Um, Sean, let's start out with you. I don't really have much to say about Sheffield United's time. I give them a D as well. I really like the signing of Gustavo Hammer. Um, I mentioned that. And then Cameron Archer's also gotten off to a good start. So Mm -hmm. this team might be better than we gave him credit for. Uh, but when you lose your two best players from the previous year, Sanderberg, who went to Burnley, and Indai, who went to Marseille, it's really hard to overcome that at your your leader in midfield and then your top goal scorer. Um, that's just the actions of an unserious club to me. I really, like I said, I like the hammer signing. I like the archer signing. I just, it, it's hard to justify that. Um, and I think they're going to go down. I give them a D. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Kyle, you, you you skipped a whole entire letter here from us. You're you're at a B minus. I am at a B minus. I I like what they're doing here. They're spending almost sixty five million dollars as a newly promoted team. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit, a little bit on the fence about them selling thirty one million dollars worth of players. If you're about to head into the Premier League, you should keep every single weapon you can at that point. But you know what? They tied Everton. Let's go. Love to see that. And. I'm excited for these guys. They're nothing, nothing crazy special, but out of the three teams that came up, I like their business a lot. Yeah, you make, you make a good point, Kyle. We didn't mention it before, but Burnley, they spent the most, obviously, but they only sold 3.8. I know, Sean, you mentioned that a lot of their players were on loan, so you don't have the ability to really sell. But then you look at Luton as well, and they didn't sell a single person. So they're currently sitting there with a goose egg in the, in the income department. So good point on that one, Kyle. I think, uh, I think, Sean and I will be a bit surprised on where they actually end up. I don't think they're going to stay up, but we'll, we'll be surprised with their quality, I think. The next one that I think did relatively good or well for themselves in this is Bournemouth. Uh, currently, they're zero wins, two ties, and two losses with a goal differential of minus four. They spent a ton, and they didn't sell much at all. So they, they bought about 127 mil and they sold 1.5 mil for a net of, you can do that easy math, 126. So I give them a B plus. I think I might be a little bit biased on this, but I really like their signing of Tyler Adams. Uh, one, because he's American and two, because he gives them a little bit more workhorse in that center pitch uh, that they kind of need. They already have a, a lot of attacking power up top with uh, Solanke and Billing. So I think they kind of needed some additional support, as we mentioned previously. So I like this signing. 
Um, they also brought in some more backup for those forward or attacking players with Hamad Jr. Uh, Traore. So I like what they did here. You know, they, they, they spent money. They see that they have a good opportunity with some lesser teams coming up from the championship. They have an opportunity to stay up for a second year in a row, and I think they're taking advantage of it. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I agree. I really like their business. I highlighted Alex Scott. I think he's going to be a good player for them as well. Um, and then they also got this kid, Milos Kirkij. Um, I just watched that game. He played against Liverpool a couple weeks ago. He stood out to me. He looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good team. And then the other signing, uh, loan signing they made late, was Luis Sinistera from Leeds. He's a very exciting player. He scored a game winner at Anfield last year against Liverpool. A uh, lot of pace, kind of similar to what we talked about with Jack Harrison, a guy you can throw on to change a game. So really like the the business the Cherries have made, you know, this summer. Kyle, you were you were ready to give them the axe last year. Are you thinking the same? Sort of. I got them at a, a normal B here. Like you guys mentioned, spending $127 million is what they need to do. And the fact they only sold one and a half means they're keeping their stars. So they're trying their very best. I agree with everything they're doing. But I can't give them a B plus. They lost nine to nothing to Liverpool last year. It's not happening. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> just move on. Just like just we should move on just like Kyle needs to about that one. <laughs> Agreed. So they get two B pluses and a and a harsh B from a living in the past, Kyle. One team that I think we can all agree on, and I'm gonna change my rating on this guy. I gave them originally a C minus, but looking at it again. No, no, no. Make your case. Make your case. Right. I'll, I'll make it me and Kyle. Very fair. <clears throat> All right. Well, stepping up to the podium, uh, my defendant, the Wolves, at 1-0-3 with a goal differential of 4, currently at 15th place. I'm saying they're at a C- minus because they are so much in the green, and I don't think that if they can manage to string a couple good wins together in the front half and the second half of the season, they have a potential of staying up and keeping the profit they have made. I currently have them as being relegated, and I am not changing my opinion on that. But I'm saying if they played their cards right in this transfer window and they made 75 million euros from selling $169 million worth of players, over 100 of that coming from two players in particular, with with Nunez uh, and Neves, then I think they did a pretty good job. They offloaded two people for very high income, and they brought in a Mateus Cunha, already showing some great promise as he's been tried and true at Atletico Madrid. And now he's looked pretty sharp for the first couple of games for the Wolves. So I think for me, because of that slight possibility that they have this money to spend possibly for next year, that they get a C- minus for me. Still not a great grade, but not an F. So what you guys got? I got an Yeah, F. this is an F. It's an F. <laughs> you, you sold your two best players in the prime of their career. They're 26 and 24. Two yeah. best players, prime of their career. Oh, guess what? They play in your midfield. So now you have two holes there. You're bringing in Tommy Doyle on loan with like a, with a loan to buy with a 50% sell-on clause to City. It's like just the worst business ever just compounded. They sell Nathan Collins. He's 22 years old. They give up on him. And... Cunha, by the way, they signed him. It was a loan to buy. He scored one goal since he signed in January. So, miss me with that tried and true nonsense. We'll see. <laughs> and the rest of their guys, I mean, I like Matt Doherty. He's Irish. He's got experience in the Prem. But these other guys got a lot of question marks. I think it's bad business. And I'm I sad, I'm sad to see my boy Gary O'Neill be put in this position. But Because I like him and what he did at Bournemouth last year. But, yeah, this is an F. 
And I, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying I'm, that's the little thread of hope that the Wolves are hanging on, that that's why they get that C- for me. It should probably honestly be more of a D in my opinion, but you make incredible points, Sean. I will not, I will not knock you on that. James, their one win came to Everton at home. They didn't even have to, they didn't even beat him at Goodison. <laughs> they took one of the No, it wasn't Goodison. Seasons. It was at Goodison. Was it? I thought that was at, uh, at Wolves. No, it was at Goodison. What did oh, I yeah, give Everton? Right, downgrade, right. downgrade him another letter point just for that. Yeah. So, you know what? They're about to be the richest team in the championship. They made way too much money. If you're in a position that the Wolves are in, you're not you're not looking to do business. You're looking to stay afloat. That's all you're trying to do. So, yeah. hey, you guys touched on every point. Absolutely ridiculous transfer window. Yeah, I just couldn't give them. Did I give them worse than Everton? I gave Everton. What did I give Everton? I gave no. I gave Everton a D. So, I think that Wolves still did better. So, I went with a C- minus for, for Wolves. Okay. But, uh, but that's my logic on that. But uh, one team that I think we were all a little disappointed on was Newcastle. Sean, why don't you why don't you start us off here? Uh, yeah, I give them a C plus. I don't think it's bad. I I like the, their business, and you can see where they're going with it. I just think, considering this is a team that wanted to be in the top four again and and compete in the Champions League, I don't know if it's equipped to do that. Um, they brought in Lewis Hall and Tino Livermento late in the window. I think we might have talked about that. I can't remember. Lewis Hall, actually, we did talk about but yep. on one of the other episodes, not on the preview. He's a good ball-playing uh, fullback. He kind of could be like the inverse of, of Trippier on the other side. But uh, Tonali's obviously good business. We like Harvey Barnes. I just don't know if there's Champions League proven quality players beyond Tonali. Um, so I think this is a step back for them this year, and, and it's kind of been shown so far. Still think they'll be obviously top six or seven finish, but I don't think they're going to be top four. Agreed. I think they, out of most of the teams, have had a pretty harsh start. Their schedule has been pretty against them so far, playing some tough, tough teams. Um, so I think a lot of people's judgment of that will be a bit clouded. Um, I think their summer transfer business was good. I don't think it was amazing. Like you said, when you are introduced into midweek tournaments, uh, specifically in Europe, with UEFA, um, you need the quality and depth. And they definitely increased their depth. I think they brought good quality. I just don't think, like you said, John, it's Champions League quality. I love Tonali as a signing. I think that's great. I think they got a pretty solid deal for him for 64 mil compared to a lot of the other central defensive-minded players that are out there. So I think that was good business. I think selling uh, St. Maximin, who has already kind of proven that the hole in, in, that he's left has been filled with Almiron with the possibility of bringing in uh, Barnes whenever they want. I think that was good business to offload him. He was on higher wages for him. So I give these guys a, a, a C plus as well. Um, I do like my favorite one I, I brought up, and you're right, is Lewis Hall. I think this was a, was a great grab from him. I, it's the loan with obligation to buy. So I think that is very promising for the future of the of an already extremely talented defense for Newcastle. So I think they're thinking about the future with this as well. Yeah, I also am at a C plus. Um, I think this is a tale of a times table. They covered you guys covered everything about why we gave it a C plus. I mean, they spent a ton of money. They sold a normal mm -hmm. amount, but I truthfully feel that if we had done this run through before week one, I'd be giving them an A minus to a B plus. I mean, they started against Brighton, Liverpool, and Man City. Their three losses, they could have, in the best form Newcastle has had in the last 20 years, 
it doesn't matter. They still would struggle in all three of those games the way those teams are right now. So, you know what? I think if we revisit this in 20 weeks, Newcastle is going to be on a completely different path and these guys might start clicking. So I think they made all the right moves. It's just a very unfortunate start to the season for them. Yeah, we're going to have to see if the longevity of their players lasts. One thing that I don't, one thing that I think won't last is Fulham's good form in the Premier League. They stayed up last year for the first time from being a yo-yo team. And over the summer, I just don't think they did a very good job of replacing players in kind or increasing the depth in very strong quality. And the number one that stands out for me is their loss of Mitrovic and their replacement of Raul Menez. Like that is just horrible business to go based off of what you were saying before, Sean. You had an A-plus striker, and you replaced him with a C-minus-D striker. I think he's had some poor form in the past couple seasons, and if he somehow got revitalized to the Mexican hero that he has been for the national team and a Wolves of very, very long past, I think that's fine. But obviously, he's he's no longer in his peak performance. He has sparks every once in a while, but even the sparks don't go in. So I think that's extremely poor. I think they kind of lost sight of their core group. I mean, William was on the fence for a little while. We talked about that. These guys, to me, the only good thing that they brought in was Awobi from Everton. And even then, he's not anything, you know, amazing. So, again, it's losing quality and replacing with okay quality. Obviously, you can't say that a lot of people of high caliber want to come and play at the cottage um, for Fulham, but I think they could have probably done a better job here. Uh, they sold 52 million. They bought 68 million. That number for buying has to be higher. It has to be higher if you want to be better and you're pushing for, you know, you, you Champions League, not Champions League, uh, Conference League football, because that's the only thing these guys would be able to, to achieve. What do you guys think? I give them a D minus. Yeah, I got them at a C. Uh, you know, they finished 10th last year, which is the top half of the table. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because from what I had been reading, Mitrovic didn't really give Fulham a chance to keep him. He was holding out. He wanted the move. He wanted the paycheck. So they they didn't really have a choice. And they replaced him with who was available and who was affordable. And so I think it's just a case of if they had the choice, they wouldn't do anything in the offseason. Don't fix what ain't broke. They are they are in a position at the end of last season that they couldn't have dreamed to be in. So I, I don't think this was so much the club forcing players out as much as players on the team did way, way better than they had expected. And their stock at the end of last season was higher than even their highest expectations. So they all wanted that paycheck that they feel they wouldn't be able to get at Fulham. And the Fulham management had to deal with that. So I'm going to give them a C and see how the season goes. But the fact that they are sandwiched between teams like Newcastle and Chelsea in the Premier League right now tells me their business was not the worst. Yeah, I, I, I'm low on them. I don't like their business. I think you, you touched on most of the points. Um, I did like a Wobi at the end, but and I, I also mentioned Calvin Bassey in the preview. I think he's a good player. But you lose Mitrovic and you don't replace his goals. It's just hard to see them doing anything but taking a step back this year. So... I think they're one of the worst uh, in terms of this window. Personally, the loss of Mitrovic and, and really not finding a like-for-like like replacement or someone even comparable, um, it's hard to justify anything else. Agreed. I, I'm finding a trend here, and especially on the next one too. I, I feel like you and Kyle, 
more particularly you, Sean, you're a bit of a, the Simon Cowell kind of type. I'm more like Howie Mendel, kind of a bit more chipper and cheery on my grades. So the next one kind of shows we have a, a large array of grades for this team. And that is in 12th place, sitting one win, one tie, two losses, goal differential of zero is Chelsea. So total spendings, I think, is obviously the big number here. And they have bought 462 million euros worth of players. That's almost half a billion, obviously. And they sold, this is also the largest number out there, 267 million euros worth of players for a net, which I believe is the largest net loss of 195 million euros. We thought we maybe saw the end of Todd's spending spree, but obviously not. He has pretty much revamped his squad entirely with this with the league's youngest roster. And unfortunately, they're off to a bit slow start. But I really like what he did. He brought in a lot of young talent. Things weren't working last year. He has one or two key um, veterans in Sterling and Sil Silva in the back. So he's trying to, I think, bring up the age of, or rather the talent of the, the young youth around him by flashing these big contracts, these long contracts. That's part of the big, big uh, kind of upside to their summer transfer item is that they're doing long contracts, like six years, eight years, stuff like that. They're getting away with it this year and that loophole will be closed. But I give them, I give them a B minus. I don't think they did too poorly because they brought in a lot of young, promising talent. And I think everyone's excited about like Nicholas Jackson. I think they're all excited about um, Gusto on the side. I think everyone's pretty excited about a lot of the players out there. And one in particular that I think br brings their summer transfer window up to a B minus for me is unfortunately and and Juku or Njoko and Cuckoo and Cuckoo. Thank you. The loss. There was so many of them. The loss of him right away. I think will taint their grade for a lot of people because they could be doing a lot better with them. But I give him a big minus. Kyle, you're on the opposite spectrum, so we'll start with you, and then we'll level out with Sean, I think. Kyle, you gave him an F, bro. I would like to first start by saying, James, I think everyone is impressed with how you've been speaking with the names of these players and coaches throughout the day today. I mean, you must have been, been rattling off hundreds yeah. of them, and that was your first hiccup. I mean, just hats I off. I appreciate James, that, Kyle. Thank you, sir. I didn't have it in front of me. If I had it in front of me, it probably would have been better. But, Kyle, you know how much that means to me? Oh, I'm glad. You, so, I mean, on the other end, I mean, an F for Chelsea. Just an F. <laughs> you cannot, and I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, you cannot spend 462 million pounds and be in 12th place at a 1-1-2 and record in the Premier League. I mean, we're not even going to touch upon how much money they spent last year. But, like, th this is just, my God. I, I would dare say if any other team had spent that much money, they'd be smarter. They'd be better. They wouldn't be in 12th place. Like, shit, you get Brighton that much money, they turn it into $800 million and still be top seven. So, no, this is an F. This was a failure. F is for failure, and Chelsea are failing. That is the bottom line. They're a London team. They have history. They have Champions Leagues. And you, speechless, failure, F. Bring us to the middle ground there, Sean. What's going on? Yeah, I haven't met a C. The big reason for that is there's just no strategy to the signings that they bring in. They just brought in everything willy-nilly. Their manager comes out. He doesn't even know two of the guys on the team because there's so much <laughs> turnover within the club. It's just not sustainable, and it doesn't create a stable or successful environment we've saw that last year and i think we're going to continue to see it this year 
Um, it has nothing to do with the players that they brought in and everything to do with the, the strategy or lack thereof that, that they employ. That's fair. So see. I mean, you have to have a, a development plan. I think they, they kind of have some type of strategy with the youth that they bring in. I think that's their goal. If I look back on Arsenal a couple of seasons ago, they started or two seasons ago, really, they brought in young players. The young players proved themselves and they're developing. So I think this might be Chelsea's 2020 to 2021 season, uh, Arsenal season for them, 2022, really. So I, I think it's a little bit more strategy than I think people, you know, are lead to believe, but that's fair. That's a, a good middle ground for everybody. Manchester United, on the other end, they, to me, have less strategy than even Chelsea. I think the biggest concern that we've highlighted is how old their 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 squad is, their key players of Eriksen, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandez, uh, Varane. They're all aging, and they really didn't do anything, in my opinion, to to kind of solve that problem. The only problem that they really kind of highlighted was the lack of a striker up top, which I think was their brightest signing. And I think with a lot of people saying it should have been Harry Kane, should have been Harry Kane, These this this team is in one, they hit the $1 billion debt mark, as Kyle, you so great, graciously pointed out to us in the episode last week. They could not afford Harry Kane's salary for the turnout. They brought in a very promising, and in all of our opinions, and Sean, you pointed out, right, he looked like a menace up top against Arsenal when he came in for the for the 15 minutes that he got. He looks like he's going to cause problems. So the the signing of Hoyland for $75 million, I think is steep. $75 million was strong, but that's because they have the United tax on him, I think. Anyone hears that United is interested, and that obviously boosts up the, the price. Mason Mount signing, I think, was okay. A little bit high there, too. And then Onana was more promising before he hit the field for me than what he's actually performed. So I give them a C for for their signings, mainly just because of the lack of depth that they got for their older squad, essentially. What do you have, Sean? Yeah, it's just uh, we're talking about another poorly run club. Uh, and I think most Manchester United fans would, t would say that, too. Hoyland does help out with the age problem. They also brought in Mason Mount. I'm not going to get into how I feel about him. We'll just move on from there. But Onana was a really good signing. Um, Sofian Amrabat was the guy they signed just before the window shut. Signed him from Fiorentina at the World Cup from Morocco. He was a star. Holding off players, winning the ball back. He was excellent for them. Big reason why they ended up in the semifinals of that tournament. So... It'll be interesting to see how he does once he, you know, gets some some back to fitness and playing in the Premier League. But I kind of agree with your point overall. Depth is definitely lacking in this squad, and there's also quality as well. Um, specifically, center back, and we've already seen that rear its ugly head. They have re-signed Johnny Evans, who came up from the Man United Academy, and he's been uh, he sh he shouldn't be playing, <laughs> but he is because of their injury issues, which probably also has something to do with the age of the squad. Um, yep. But I still think overall, Onana especially is a really big signing for them and how they want to play. Give him a B minus. Fair. Kyle, anything to add there or you want to roll into Villa? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just have them as a C plus to an F for Manu. I think on paper. Such a large range. No, no, no. Let me, let me rephrase <laughs> that. It's somewhere between an A they, uh, and a D minus. Their <laughs> transfer window, in my opinion, was a C plus, which led to an F. 
where they're at now is an F because of the shit that has been happening, even off the field. Like it's just, it's failing right now with Anthony, you're missing out on a hundred million with, I mean, you look at all the, all the new players too. Sancho, there's beef Casemiro. I mean, he's going to get four red cards this season. Garnacho, yeah. he's not starting. Like it, I think it's just poorly managed, but on paper. Yeah. I think they did a C plus fine draft, fine, you know, transfer window, but it's, it's just not clicking. So it's looking like an F while you watch them play, but you know, they can turn this around. I think on paper, it was a fine transfer window. With a with a net, we'll end on here. Their net spend was 151 million euros. I think that was either third or fourth highest net loss. So we'll see if that uh, will just add on to the pile of debt that they have. One team that Kyle and I were on the same page here. So I'll let you start out first, Sean, so we can counterpoint you. Is is Villa? Is Austin Villa? Two wins, no ties, two losses, goal differential of minus one with the loss of Mings in the back. They're still at minus one. Sean, what do you have and and why? So, yeah, I give him a C, uh, or sorry, B minus. Uh, I think Diaby from signing from, from Leverkusen was good. I think you guys are overrating the business that they, that they brought in. Pau Torres is a really good ball-playing center back, and he'll be very useful when they're playing in conference league. But against the physical and pacey strikers of the Prem, he's not going to keep up. I mean, at least in my opinion, uh, Tielemans is oft injured and not really ha- lived up to the hype. And then Zainolo is the other signing. He's, I mean, we could talk to our boy Luigi about this one. He's <laughs> quite injury prone as well. It's just like, uh, I don't think there's that many impactful players other than Diaby who've come in and completely upgraded the squad. Mm-hmm. Torres definitely an upgrade on what they had and now with Mings out he has to play a lot but I think Diaby's the only one who makes him a significantly better team than before so yeah that's where I'm coming from I, I think you have a lot of good points I give him an A- minus. I know Kyle you gave him an A- minus as well these guys came in with Unai Emery in the helm and he's always got a game plan and I give him an A- minus because they're fighting in the conference league right they're not in Europa. They're in the conference league. They're working their way up. I don't think they have to go balls to the wall right away. And they made a, they lost a net spend of only 60.45 million with a team that we're talking about competing for seventh, eighth, sixth place, possibly. I think they brought in a lot of veteran depth with Torres, who has played under Unai before. So I think he gets a, a, a bump up because he's got the style of play that Unai's familiar with, and he's familiar with Unai. So I think he's extremely um, underrated. I think Diaby is one of the most underrating signings for forward-minded players. He is a menace. He's been a menace for uh, Leverkusen in the Bundesliga in the past. And I think getting him for $55 million is a steal. Um, so I really like the business they did, especially since they brought in Telemans on a free. So I feel like that kind of counteracts the possible injury proneness that he has. I've heard already that he's pretty um, unhappy with his playing time, but I give him an A minus because I think they took the right steps for a conference league team. Yeah, I agree. I have him at an A minus as well. I mean, (laughs) you would think Mr. Miyagi is their coach the way they're playing. I mean, they are getting waxed and they are giving out the wax. It's ridiculous. (laughs) They have lost five to one and three to nothing to good teams and they have won (laughs) 
four to one and three to nothing against shit teams. So you know what? When they play the top of the table, they you know they get burnt, they get destroyed as a middle team would, and when they play the bottom of the table, they destroy them. So I think Aston Villa is right where they belong in 10th place in the Premier League right now. I think their transfer window showed that. They spent $93 million, They sold 32 So they're doing what they got to do as a middle-of-the-table middle team. They're not, you know, by any means breaking their bank, but they're also not selling their bank. They're keeping the players they got to keep to stay there. I think it's great business. Uh, this one will be one I, I like to put a flag in to see where we line up towards the end of the season, but good points. Sean? Nottingham Forest, other than their signing of Matt Turner, which I think was great. I also don't think Matt Turner is an incredible goalie, but he's shown that he's doing really well as a first string keeper there for him right now. What do you, what do you have for, for Forrest? I give him a B plus. I thought it or B, sorry. I thought they had a good window, especially at the end. They brought in Ibrahim Sangare from PSV Eindhoven. Um, they really showed out in the Europa League. If you uh, you would remember as an Arsenal fan, yep. going up against him, Gakpo, Madueke, and Xavi Simmons, which is crazy that the, all th- four were together just like six months ago, and now none of them are. But uh, he's a good signing, brings a lot of solidity to the defensive midfield, can also, in a pinch, play center back. And then Alango was the other signing yep. I really liked. Um, brought him in for Manchester United. He's already uh, contributed on the score sheet. We talked about that last week. Um, it, as he got a victory over Chelsea with with his winner, so absolutely B for me. I agree. I have him as a B. I think the fact that they spent over uh, again, they spent probably the second most I want to say last year in all of teams, and they continue that spending spree this summer. Really shows that they're looking forward to to staying up, and I think they have a good chance, especially right now with a good position of two wins and only two losses, a goal differential of zero. Um, I think also one thing to to note is they did also loan, they, they are essentially taking some second tier players from Arsenal. Nuno Tavares, I think is a great loan for him. I think he has a lot of talent. He did well in league Un last year with Marseille. So I think there's some promise there as well. So I give him a B. Kyle, you gave Forrest a B plus. I did. Uh, you guys touched on all the topics. They're doing well. I don't think I would, personally have them doing as well as they are currently if you had asked me this at the beginning of last season so the fact that their checking account saw almost 200 million dollars of business this year tells me that they're excited to be where they are and they're not going anywhere this is this is fantastic from them i would agree it'd be interesting seeing if forrest can stay up hopefully that you know matty t being a u.s men's national team keeps his position and it improves his ability to play for our national team too so that's a little nice side perk but next in eighth place is Brentford. One win, three ties, and no losses with a goal differential of plus three. They are in a bit of a different position than I thought. One thing that I will point out to them, and which is why I give them a B, is they bought $64 million and only sold $10 million. I think selling-wise, they probably could have done a bit better to, to increase that revenue. But obviously, they're still fighting for the position of that kind of conference league position in the table. So I think they didn't want to lose too many people. They did bring in some good players, um, but obviously without Ivan Tony, the current team really needs to stick, you know, step up here. You know, Nathan Collins from Wolves, we mentioned him before, is a great signing for solidifying the back, keeping uh, Shade since his loan last year, I believe, was very solid. Uh, Fleekin, I think, was also a nice little grab. I think that was a good replacement for Rhea. We mentioned that before. He was pretty much the equivalent 
of a grade B plus B uh, A minus keeper in the Bundesliga. So I think I think that's pretty solid. Uh, what you got, Sean? Well, I just wanted to mention the reason why their outgoings were so low is because Arsenal was dead broke, couldn't couldn't uh, pay his thirty million dollar transfer <laughs> fee and had to push it out till next year. So let's be let's be fair to the bees. Fair, fair, fair. Um, on paper, it's not the sexiest. They also brought in Neil Mope from Everton. He really struggled at, at Everton, but he was actually at Brentford a few years back before he went to Brighton um, and, and ripped it up in the championship. So they like something about him. I think Thomas Frank was the manager there at that time. Um, it's not the sexiest by any means, but I do think this is a team has shown that they you know know how to find under-the-radar gems. Kevin Schott has already shown out, as you, as you mentioned, um, had a great goal. So I gave him a, a B. It's a solid ranking uh, for a solid team. Yeah. They got to score. They need to get their new strikers vibing. You can't tie three of your first four games. I mean, as far as your team is concerned, you're thinking, I haven't lost to these teams. But guess what? A tie is – two ties is worse than one loss and a win. You know, you can't keep doing this and getting one Man, point. <laughs> but, yeah, their business was – what you got to do, you know, sell less than you buy at this point, fill the holes you can with what you've earned over the last season and do your thing that you're in eighth place right now. I think I would have Brentford finishing probably right around where they are right now, maybe seventh fluctuation of two spots on the table up or down. But I think this is right where they belong. Fair. All right. Another team that I think is probably right where they belong, if not outperforming their usual spot, which is the, Three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and Crystal Palace finishing in 11th or 12th place. <laughs> and that is Crystal Palace. So they're currently sitting in 7th place with two wins, one tie, one loss, with a goal differential of plus one. For me, it's all about the lack of replacement of Wilfred Zaha. I know, Sean, you really like their replacement from uh, Flamingo with Matthew um, Franca. But I just think losing Zaha, their staple, their best player in the history of Crystal Palace on a free transfer to Galatasaray is just bad business. They needed him for last year, so they kept around, but not getting some form of extension on his contract so they could make some form of money off of them is just bad business to me. And to be honest with you, the only other really exciting person they brought in, in my opinion, is Jefferson Lerma, right, from Bournemouth on a free transfer. That's some solid business. Other than that, I love you, Rob Holding. Your hair looks way better than it did five years ago. But for if you're if you're Crystal Palace, you have solid defense. You just went out and got another solid, you know, band-aid in case your guys go down. So to me, you're not improving the squad. You're in a position where you need to improve the squad. You only bought $38.7 million worth of players, and you sold zero. That's just bad business to me. I give you a C-. minus. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I gave them a B- minus just because they're doing very, very well this year. I mean, they're vibing. They Selling zero players isn't as much a bad thing, in my opinion. If you like what you have, don't fix what ain't broke. You know, If you can retain them all, retain them all. But... You know, you look at their first four games, you're playing Brentford, Arsenal, Sheffield, and Wolves. You should probably go to one and one. And that's exactly what they did. They lost to the best team, they beat the worst teams, and they tied the middle team. So I think, like like Brentford, they're where they belong, which is 
very good for Crystal Palace. I did not see them belonging in seventh place in the Premier League right now. But that's what they're doing, and they deserve to be there, in my opinion. Agreed. Well, guys, we're hitting the 50-minute the mark right now. So to speed things up so that our viewers and our listeners can enjoy it all in possibly one very long commute to New York City or wherever you must go, I think we'll keep it to kind of one of us talking for per team. Um, I'll try not to speak so highly of Arsenal's. But next we have is Brighton. Why, why do you get Arsenal? I, what if I, I actually think that I, as a for a non-biased opinion, I will pass Arsenal off to either of you, and I will either say good point, bad point, or I will remove you from the studio session. So up to you guys on how you want to handle that. But Brighton, no, leave, leave that to Sean. Hundred percent, you'll kick me in an instant. Going to sixth place is Brighton. I think they got off to a great start with their first game and then a little rocky road ahead of them. But they've they've managed to pull out three wins and one loss. Goal differential of plus six, which right now is one of the best. So, Sean, you want to take your one of your favorite teams that's not your favorite team with Brighton? Definitely a good summer for them. I think when you when you bring in as much money as they did through the sales of Caicedo, McAllister, etc., and then you also still improve the depth of the squad, you bring in Milner, you bring in Daoud, and then one of the most surprising signings of the summer, they signed Ansu Fati from Barcelona, who used to be one of the most highly thought yep. of prospects in the world. And we'll see if they're able, able to get his career back on track, but if you were betting on a place for him to do it, Brighton just seems to get the best out of their players. They've picked up where they left off last year. I, it's one of the best windows all around for me. I have him, I have him at an A+. Plus. Agreed, agreed. I have an A and... Kyle, you have an A plus as well. So Brighton again, of yeah, and also please note that they're competing for the highest standards, and they're still making a fuck ton of money. Eighty nine million euros made from the transfer window, so they've been in the green, rolling in it for a while. Who wants to take Arsenal, Sean? You want to do it, and then I'll I'll take them. I'll take them. They, listen, I really like what they did this summer. They brought in depth in all areas of the pitch. The one signing, and I, you're probably going to shit on me for it. The reason what drops them down to a B is Kai Havers for $70 million. We're, we're going to talk about a guy in, in a couple of seconds, uh, James Ward-Prowse, who was about $40 million. He'd probably play better in, in a left weight or left mid spot than or left center mid spot for Arsenal. Maybe not the best fit, but how about Sobozlai at Liverpool in the three? He's $60 million. You're telling me Havertz is worth an extra $11 million plus whatever he makes in wages. I just don't see it. Um, I love the signing of Timber. It's really unfortunate that he got injured. I think he would have been huge. Also a big fan of the Raya move. That was solid. I think overall good business from Arsenal. Then obviously Declan Rice immediately comes in and upgrades them um, You know, in midfield. So big signing. Uh, I give him a B overall. James gave him an A. Kyle gave him an A minus. I think we all agree. Very good window for yeah, Arsenal. I agree. I love it. I agree with you on the Kai Havertz. I'll keep it short and sweet. Declan Rice was our money man. We went after him. We got it done early. Kudos to us. Everything else was gravy. Um, Kai Havertz, I'm holding on for hope. So, Kai, if you are listening, which you probably are, prove us all wrong <laughs> and do something, do something great this weekend against uh, Everton. All right. West Ham. Kyle, if you don't mind, I'll grab this one, and then you can grab Liverpool for uh, Sean's rating and whatnot. I hate you. What, do you want to do West Ham, and do you want me to do Liverpool? No, no, not at all. No, you go. You, you're a big James Ward-Prowse <laughs> fan. Please, go ahead. Uh, you know what? I will. 
Absolutely. James Ward Proud. I'm a big fan of him. You guys didn't know that. Uh, I think West Ham is an A plus. Absolutely through and through in this transfer window. I mean, this season, to me, they should be undefeated, firstly. To tie Bournemouth tells me, oh, I'm sorry, after beating the likes of Brighton, Chelsea, and I mean, Luton, congratulations. But after beating the likes of Brighton and Chelsea, coming up with a tie against Bournemouth in this season is just, it tells me that's probably a lapse of just heart. Maybe they gave up. They thought it would be easy. They didn't put the right lineup, this, that, the other thing. But, I mean, my goodness, they bought $137 million worth of players and sold $156 million. They're positive, and they spent almost $300 million, or not spent, but they saw $300 million worth of business in one transfer window. For a team like West Ham, that's fantastic. They got big names, James Ward-Prowse, Edson Alvarez, Mohamed Kudos. You know, it's, it's going to be a very, very fun season if you're a West Ham fan, which I know there are a bunch of y'all out there that listen. So, congratulations. You won't beat City, but congratulations. But um, I think this is an A-plus through and through. There's, there's, I mean, other than Brighton, there's no better business in football right now. I would agree with you on that. In the, prim- in the Premier League, in the Premier League. Let me let me specify that. I will agree with you I on... Mean, if, if all these teams are losing money, other teams are making <laughs> I will agree on what you do almost with everything except for that there's no better pe- person or team in the English Premier League with better business. And we will get to the team that I think has done better business, ne- not next, but very, very shortly. For next, we have Liverpool, three wins, one tie, zero losses, goal differential of six, which ties Brighton. I give, Sean, your true love in life in sports terms, other than maybe the Rangers, is a B- minus to me. And I only say this because they lost a key player, in my opinion, of Roberto Firmino, did not find a replacement for him, really. And they lost a lot of players on free transfer. They only sold $60 million and they spent over $170 million. Granted, I will say Dominic Zubaslai will haunt, I think, everyone's dream uh, dreams because he is going to be an absolute menace and problem. He can fit in very well in either the 6, 8, or the 10, and he is just an absolute beast. I think he is probably your best signing. I like McAllister because he did very well in the World Cup with Argentina and did well with Brighton. I don't think he is exactly the greatest central midfielder presence. I don't really think he's top five out there out of our squad, but I think he's very solid. And then uh, Gravenberch, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know a lot about him other than there's a lot of hype around him. He came from Bayern Munich struggling with some playing time over there. So if he is able to revitalize his career at Liverpool, what a better place to do it than here. So coming from Bayern Munich, just in general, obviously is going to raise some eyebrows for coming in for 40 million and not really having a lot of playing time last year might be a bit steep because it was late in the window. I think you could have gotten him a little bit cheaper earlier. That was one of Liverpool's problems in this summer window is not being able to close the deal on a lot of people, mainly to Chelsea. So for me, they're a B minus. Did I miss anything? I th- no, I think you covered it. Obviously, the other, other signing was uh, Wataro Endo from Stuttgart. He's the only real true holding midfielder that they brought in. And the reason why it's a B for me and not an A is because they didn't bring in a left-footed center back and they didn't bring in a, a true uh, first-team quality CDM. You mentioned a bunch of the departures, Fabinho and Henderson, um, from the middle of the park, Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain, Milner as well. 
So you lost your three options in center defensive midfield. I think um, as a result, it's a B. But uh, Sobozlai, hopefully one day you'll pronounce that right if, if he does well did enough. I, so, did I say Sobozlai? Uh, he was one of the first ones I, uh, uh, I mastered. We were listening to the YouTube audio v- version of that for quite some time. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, I think they've done enough to get top four again. They just haven't done enough to push for the title, which – it's a little disappointing, but they did spend a lot of money, and I think overall um, Liverpool of years past would have done better business and got it done earlier in the window, but there's new people in charge. I am really excited about Birch. I think he can play in the six or the eight. Came from the IX Academy and had a lot of hype around him, so I trust Klopp to get the best out of him. Agreed. All right, the next one, why don't we pass this over to you, Sean, because I think you and I are on the same game page here, and then Kyle, you can put in two cents, but Tottenham Hotspur. I didn't think I would rate them as highly as I did. I give them an A+. You give them an A. They're 3-1-0 and with a goal differential of 7, which is the second best. Um, they brought in 248 million euros worth of players. They sold 122 million, 100 of that obviously coming from Harry Kane. What do you have here, man? Yeah, it's a very good window, and, and we've already seen the fruits of it um, with James Madison, who's been probably, like we talked about, one of the, the best players in the Premier League so far this year. Confirmed the signing of Kulu, Vicario, um, who Luigi told us a lot about this past weekend, and he said really good things about his time at Empoli. Um, Solomon, who you talked about, it's, it's just good business. And then the big one right towards the end of the window was Brennan Johnson. He was the biggest fee at $55 million. Uh, He's only 22 years old. He can play on either wing. He could even play as like a second striker, number 10, I think. Um, he's going to be a really exciting player. That was a coup for them and a big loss for, for Forrest that we no, forgot absolutely. to mention. So, yeah. A for me. A plus. I'm just saying A plus because they brought in – they hit the reset button. They need to hit the reset button. And one thing to consider when you were talking about the summer transfer window, they brought in a new coach too with Ange Pasacoglu, who is really showing that his presence is being well shown. I don't want to talk any more good things about Tottenham. So I will pass it off to – we'll give it to you, Kyle. We'll give it to you. Let's have you talk about Man City because I don't think – actually, Sean well, rated you so guys nice, pretty yeah. well. I got him at a B. And that's it. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. It's a, sad, it's a sad day when you lose five of your favorite players. We lost Cancelo, Mares, Laporte, Gunagon, and Mendy in, the off, like, in this transfer window. And they did a decent enough job of replacing them. They got Kovacic to replace Gundo. I think that's a phenomenal pickup. He's been looking electric this season. He's just a little bit defensively minded, from my opinion, where Gundogan would actually come up the field. And, you know, those are big friggin' shoes to fill. Whether or not Gundogan's stats will show his talent, he is the most clutch player on Manchester City, or was, I would say. The goals he scored were quintessential to our success. Busting that I word out word. just for Gundogan. I love that word. And then, you know, Mares for Doku. That's We haven't seen enough of Doku that he can. I can officially say that was a great, great replacement because we got to see Mares. He had the best first touch in the Premier League, in my opinion. When that ball came to his foot, he was glued. And then Vardaval, he replaces – that's our defender replacement for Cancelo, Laporte, and Mendy. So it's a B. To be fair. They didn't do the best – here, go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say, to be fair, Mendy had, mm-hmm. didn't play at all last year because of the the legal stuff that he was involved in and Cancelo got loaned out. Well, but I, I get agree. your point. Yeah, but, you know, they would be eligible to play this season for us. So they replaced him. 
And it's just another case of I got to see more of this guy. I'm not going to dog him. I'm not going to hype him. It's just they lost three main positions and they replaced them. So it's a B. And we need to see more. I'm sure if we revisit this week 34 instead of week four, I would say every single rating listed today for myself will probably be different, except for maybe like Chelsea. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's about it I got on Man City. Sean, you had him at B plus, Kyle, you were at B, and I was at B as well. One thing that I'm a little disappointed on him uh, with Man City, which is why I kind of lean towards a B, but it's also technically good business at the same time is the selling of Cole Palmer. I think he was really promising for you guys. I think he showed that he wanted to play for Man City but he just wanted the hours. But Sean mentioned before, look at what, what you know Pep does with his young talent. Phil Foden hasn't seen as much time on the pitch as he probably should. So Cole Palmer probably saw the writing on the walls there and left. They did sell him for the most this year at 47 million euros. So a bit of good business there. But again, I just don't think it was, well, you don't have to outdo what you did the year before because Man City is Man City. But there you go, our full report card. We'll consider throwing out the post on there. Of you'll see all of our grades. I'll see if I have some time to to see that, so we can have a time stamp on all of our opinions. We're going to take a quick fifteen second break here, so that we can gather our thoughts on Kyle's pick and lock of the week, and what your go to watching game will be on the return after the first international break. We have a report card for Kyle's betting at the end of this season. I think we will because last season it was an F. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It was an F. Everyone who listened told me that they lost thousands of dollars placing your lock of the week. They won money with Sean's and mine was just super fun and they loved it. So Kyle. Yeah, that's fair. For... For the upcoming return of the EPL after the national break, give us your two must-watch games and then throw us, which which I've heard rumors based off of the last podcast, that we're going to get a parlay. Oh, yeah. I mean, what better way to start the season with an F report card of last season than with a guaranteed parlay victory, fellas? So the parlay is going to be Liverpool and Spurs. I think both those teams are going to just mollywop the opposition this weekend. Liverpool are going to take down the Wolves, and the Spurs are going to take down Sheffield United. I don't think that's anything special. Even parlaying those two together, it's still minus 125 odds on FanDuel. So Pretty solid. It's it's as safe a parlay as you can build this week, so I'm going to do it. But as far as games to watch, everybody turn their televisions toward Manchester. They have the games. Manchester United at home against Brighton, that's a phenomenal game. Brighton clearly the favorites, but Manchester United have Old Trafford and the chance. And I mean, that's a 12th man if I've ever seen one. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, you head into West Ham, it's Man City, West Ham. That's the one versus four team in the league. That's the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. So keep I your think, eyes glued to Manchester. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that West Ham will have a very tough challenge ahead of them. Will they live up to the hype or will Man City bring them back to reality? Um, oh, I'm, I'm, not, West. I'm not so confident in this game, man. I mean, I was looking at the FanDuel odds for the lock of the week. Man City is like minus 400 or something. They are the biggest favorites of the weekend away at West Ham. I couldn't believe it. It got me thinking that West Ham must have injuries I haven't read about yet because that's just – it's hogwash to put them at that that friggin' line. It's crazy. I agree. I agree, dude. That's that's wild. That is insane. That is wild. I think – 
we might have to, I'm going to have to explore that with you, see if we can get some type of little spread going on that game. I think that's a great take right there. And then on the other one, Manchester United, one thing I want to add to that is we'll probably see more than 15-minute cameo from Hoyland. So that will be exciting to watch for Manchester United. So that's the reason why I would want to tune into that. Unfortunately, I think all of these games are occurring during one of my best friend's weddings. So Chase, um, I will be filling 100% of my time and effort into your and Nicolette's wedding. So congratulations, my man. Looking forward to this trip to France. I'm looking forward to also hearing another week of EPL State of Mind being hosted by Kyle and Sean. So until I can hear your beautiful voices again on my Spotify in a foreign country, I think it's a good send off for the time being. So thank you, everybody. I know it was a bit of a longer one this time, but please let us know what you think about our report cards, who you think we got absolutely wrong and who you think we nailed. So thank you, everybody. And until next time, this is our send off.